Hi, my name is Andrew Bolton, and this is the Pros and Content Podcast. I'm the Chief Client Officer here at Notch, and on the Pros and Content Podcast, we'll be featuring a series of truly remarkable content leaders who believe in storytelling and who have different perspectives on the importance of measurement, scalability, and the optimization of content. Our guest today is Aruna Ravichandran, the CMO of Cisco WebEx in collaboration. Aruna had a unique path to CMO. She started her career as a product engineer before transitioning to marketing. However, Aruna sees these roles as complementary. Her focus has remained on solving customer pain points, no matter her title. As the world moved digitally more quickly than expected, Aruna's work at WebEx, providing video conferencing, security, AI, and more, went from important to critical in the blink of an eye. And as the world slowly returns to normalcy, Aruna remains laser-focused on helping people do it safely by extending a first-class experience across both the products and marketing. With emotionally resonant storytelling and content, Aruna delivers outcomes and protects her audiences as the world continues to change. We hope you enjoy. Today, very excited to uh, have our guest, primarily because if you have not heard of WebEx before the last six months, you most uh, almost certainly have heard of it since. Very excited to have the CMO of Cisco's WebEx and collaboration business, Aruna Ravachandran, um, on the podcast. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really excited to join you guys today. I'm sure it's been a very interesting, exciting last uh, four to six months or so. But just want to start off maybe a little bit earlier. Um, your experience in technology goes back to a 16-year stint uh, at HPE, where you started as, a, as an engineer, correct? That's right. Yeah. And, and tell, me, tell us a little bit about the, the journey you took from engineer at HPE into marketing and now eventually uh, CMO, because that is not a, a, a traditional path, I feel like, for the CMO. Perfect. So um, like you said, you know, I spent about, I would say, 17 and a half years at HPE. And out of the 17 and a half years, 50% of that was on the engineering side and the rest of uh, 50% was on the business side. Uh, while I started my engineering career, because I had an a engineering degree, uh, even while I was an engineer, I always loved the voice of the customer. You know, today they have this concept called human-computer interaction or design. In my days, in those days, it was all about, you know, having those usability studies in terms of really understanding what is going to be the customer's pain point and being able to build products in order to solve those customer pain points. So I always had a passion for the voice of the customer. Mm -hmm. And so I was a really good engineer. I've written several million lines of code, have a couple of uh, patents under my belt. Given that I always had a passion for the voice of the customer, uh, you know, halfway through my career, I decided to embrace my heart and move on to what I lovingly call the darker side of the business. <laughs> and I, once I changed to that side of the business, I have never, you know, looked back. And it's been, uh, uh, you know, while I love building products and creating products and bringing them to market, I think I have a unique opportunity in terms of being able to understand technology at a deep level and now have the ability to basically uh, create those brand stories, create those uh, messaging and positioning, which is absolutely important in terms of being able to create uh, an excitement towards the product across the board. And so that's where I am today. And uh, my technology background definitely serves me pretty well. Um, and I love what I do. That's awesome. What, are, what do you think 
uh, are the superpowers uh, from engineering that you can apply to the CMO role? Like, where have you found those advantages um, and be able to kind of exploit them either to get things done within large engineering focused companies or apply processes or things like that? Yes. So like, you know, my engineering career has definitely served me very well uh, because, you know, one of the biggest advantages I have is that it's easy for me to pick up any different technology across multiple different domains. So if you look at my particular background, I've spent the last 20 years in an area which is called DevOps, which is all around IT management, application performance management, storage management, network management, security, anything to do with IT. That's where I've actually built expertise in the last 20 years. But now I'm here at Cisco as a CMO for Cisco WebEx, and it's in a completely different domain and space. And you might think that because WebEx um, you know, is a product which is being used by end users, it's easy to pick up. But if you think about the other various different parts of the collaboration portfolio within backpacks where you have calling and contact center, they are deeply technical areas. And so it's not just about being able to understand the, the user experience parts of the, port pro, uh, the pro portfolio. I, I, I was a, easily able to pick up the IP telephony or the unified communications part of the portfolio, which is deeply uh, complicated. And so I would say being in the engineering side, I I also understand, you know, what it's like in order to, if you are a customer, you know, what are some of your pain points? And that's why I say that I consider myself to be a very, very customer obsessed CMO. I focus on the five E's, which is all about making it much, much easier for customers to find the product easy to find, easy to buy, easy to try, easy to manage, and easy to maintain. And brand marketing, demand generation marketing plays a tremendous role in terms of being able to simplify the end-to-end -end customer journey across the board. I like the, uh, was it five E's? I like that. That uh, I have not heard that before, but uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. One of the things you, you mentioned in, that you're is that you're passionate about this idea of building uh, a marketing engine um, that can drive thought leadership, both at the kind of upper funnel awareness perception side of things, but then to also bring that all the way through to the demand gen lower funnel outcomes that are obviously really important to the business. How do you balance those two responsibilities? And when you're reporting up the chain and, and reporting results back, um, how do you delineate success, um, both at the upper funnel as well as the lower funnel and, and anything in between you know, for that matter? Yeah, uh, so if you just look at WebEx meetings or our unified app, uh, and then you take that away from the $6 billion collaboration business, we, are, we would probably be the sixth largest SaaS company in the world. You know, if you just spin it off uh, from Cisco, we would be the one of the largest SaaS companies across the board. So when you think about SaaS-based marketing, um, I would say we look at it in three different routes to market. One is about what I call a no-touch model. The second one is about a low-touch model. And the last one is about a high-touch model. And marketing plays a tremendous role in terms of uh, being able to bring that visibility or the eyeballs at the top of the funnel, as well as being able to progress those leads uh, through the funnel journey. So when you think about the low-touch model, the way we actually play a role is being we are very, very maniacally focused on data in terms of being able to drive people to our website on webx.com. 
getting them to convert into our freemium model and then from freemium to pay using a credit card transaction. So every one of the opportunities or the leads are actually brought by marketing and closed by marketing. That's why I call it no touch. It's marketing sourced and marketing closed. And the primary driver for that is ARR. It's all about bringing net new visitors into your website and getting them to close uh, without a human interaction across the board. The second part of the journey is about the low-touch model, where marketing is responsible for bringing in leads into the website, the unique visitors. We still track the conversion rate from that to freemium, but for leads which are not converting to paid using the e-commerce option or the direct buy option, which is the credit card model, you know, we pass those leads to our, our digital sales teams, which we call virtual demand center. And they are responsible for actually then closing, uh, closing that opportunity using a phone call. Right, So that is why I call it the low-touch model. And again, marketing plays a tremendous role in terms of being not only being able to target those leads, but also retargeting the leads and taking them through the customer journey. The last one is a classical, uh, typical marketing model where you know marketing and sales basically play a combination role in terms of being able to build the pipe or what you call an MQL once it gets qualified into a lead. And then... Marketing plays a tremendous role, uh, easing, uh, easing, uh, using you know multiple different tactics, whether it's through the website or is whether it's a digital event nowadays or any other tactics, and takes the customer through a journey and plays a big role in terms of influencing that opportunity and converting that to close. Right, so that is your typical high touch, high um, uh, you know model, which is driven through enterprise sales, where marketing and sales actually partner together. So if you think about these three models. You know, the most important, there are multiple things you need to th think about. You have to have air cover at the top, which is where brand marketing becomes extremely important. Your share of voice becomes important. You know, people need to know who you are. And this is where when you think about how you can actually activate the top of the funnel, you know, there are multiple different ways you can actually activate it. And so yeah, traditionally before COVID, I used to look at um, activating my media budget using uh, uh, out of home, uh, you know, by being able to uh, uh, showcase an advertisement in airports, billboards, NPR, so on and so forth. But now given COVID, nobody's actually traveling that much. I've shifted all of my media budget in terms of uh, the top of the funnel, in terms of driving those eyeballs towards uh, mostly uh, on-demand broadcast or even broadcast because a lot of people are actually watching television right now and then uh, it moved a lot of my budget into digital media channels. You know, and again, when you think about the digital media uh, channels, you know, you can basically tar use that for both brand marketing as well as uh, demand generation marketing too, right, in terms of retargeting. And so, again, uh, to go back and answer your uh, close out on this particular question, you know, the brand marketing, demand marketing plays a tremendous role in terms of how you can actually activate right from the top of the funnel down to the middle of the funnel as well as the bottom. Up. And as far as uh, content marketing goes and, and content in general, do you utilize it throughout that entire journey, um, uh, both in the kind of the low touch and the no touch model? Um, is it more of an upper funnel branding exercise or are you using that as a tool to to accelerate people through the entire their entire journey? 
Again, it depends upon the type of content. Like, so most of the times, if you think about the top of the funnel, and I gave you examples of various different uh, uh, media outlets, which we actually used to leverage. If you think about out of home, you know, we used to activate those creative ads, right? So in airports, billboards, and we would have like a very solid narrative, um, which is built towards that particular campaign, uh, which we actually had in the market uh, through uh, and would activate it on NPR. And so content is a king, right? Like across the board, but the type of content completely needs to depend upon your messaging. And so in my mind, you know, you can build a lot of content across the board addressing multiple different audiences. And so what you need to keep in mind is, is that the right content for the right personas you're actually targeting? And how are you basically going to activate the right media channels in order to deploy your content so that you get to your target persona. So that becomes a very important element when you think about a media strategy, both from a brand as well as a demand perspective. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. And I wanted to circle back on something you mentioned earlier, just around that upper funnel, that storytelling side of things. Um, I feel like a lot of people don't think of storytelling being synonymous with B2B brands and B2B marketers. Um, but we're seeing across the board that being able to connect um, with people um, with powerful stories, with emotional connections in a way, um, really does serve a purpose in the B2B landscape. Can you talk through a little bit about how you approach um, that type of content and those types of connections where it's more about building that brand um, and building those, you know, it's almost emotional connections with buyers before you begin moving them through their pro that process. Uh, you are 100% uh, spot on, right? So everybody loves a story. If you have a brand campaign or a demand campaign, and if it doesn't have a story uh, behind it, it really does not land in the market. And so uh, here is an example. So in Q4 of our last fiscal year, our fiscal year goes April, uh, August 1st through July 31st. And so we are in the middle of our Q1 uh, for uh, fiscal year uh, 21. And so if you look at our last quarter, we actually rolled out a global campaign during the pandemic. And this whole campaign was a global campaign. We activated it in uh, 10 different markets uh, around the world. And it, and it was real. We really thought about, you know, what are the right media channels in order to activate it. Outside that, everything started with a story, right? So we built this particular campaign in order to showcase to the world how WebEx is there in order to play an important role not just being able to allow employees to work anywhere, anytime, because remote work is a narrative given the pandemic, but it's more than that. WebEx has been there in order to help doctors protect. WebEx has been there in order to help, uh, you know, government and media continue to basically help the citizens of the country. WebEx has been there in order to help students continue the, with their learning and teachers to basically continue to, um, you know, impart education uh, to the student community. WebEx has been there in order to help uh, police and government officials protect the citizens of the country. So that's the narrative we actually built the story on. You know, we could have, you know, uh, activated a campaign in terms of being talking about how telecommunications or how um, video conferencing technology is moving the work forward, but that did not have a empathetical uh, element to it. And for us, it's more about how can we basically continue to enable, um, you know, people around the world across multiple different professions 
in a way which would really matter to them. It's all about being there uh, to, you know, help uh, move the work forward, but doing it in a way which will strike a chord across the board with the underlying consumers of this particular campaign. It was called the WebEx Bridge to Possible campaign. Uh, I would love to share the video which we built, which was the Anthem uh, content video, which we uh, built, which showcases that story in multiple different segments. And we basically uh, uh, activated it on CNBC as well as the, uh, as well as on CNN. Uh, and in addition to that, we targeted multiple different media outlets as well. And we also uh, targeted print as well as um, uh, various different digital media outlets like uh, Wall Street Journal, CNBC, so on and so forth. And so for us, it everything started with that story in terms of how WebEx has been there, continues to be there in order to help uh, move the work forward. And it is all about how you tell the story and how you can actually, um, you know, hit two important elements. One is the empathetical part, which you talked about. The second one is, you know, it's all about the ROI, right? So you want to make work happen anywhere, anytime. And, and it's the outcome-based messaging. If you just go after the outcome-based messaging and you lose the empathetical part, I don't believe that you'll have the opportunity to really hit a strike a chord with a target persona. But I think if you, you bring the empathetical part of the messaging along with the outcome-based messaging, I think there is a huge win-win and you have the ability in order to influence uh, all of the target buyers as well as influencers. The campaign that you rolled out, were you already planning on a, a large brand campaign in Q3, Q4, or was this purely in, in that you pivoted or was this purely reactionary? Like, hey, we need to do something like times, you know, that the time is now to put this kind of messaging out into the market. Uh, we had to completely pivot. And at Cisco, it usually takes about, you know, 10, plus, 10 to 12 weeks in order to roll out a global campaign. And we did not have the time. And so our um, ELT gave us the big budget and we decided that, you know, the time was now. And within less than four weeks, the teams came together while everybody was sheltering in place and built out this amazing campaign. You'll see from the video, everything was actually shot in-house because at that particular time, nobody was actually even moving. We didn't even have the ability to, um, you know, send photographers, videographers in order to actually shoot the video. And so we did it in a very, very clever way. Um, and you'll see uh, how the whole cam campaign came to life while everybody was actually sheltering in place. And we rolled out this global campaign, activated it. We built close to about 235 pieces of collateral. Uh, we had it localized in, you know, 10 plus uh, geographies across the board. And we activated it across uh, several different media outlets. Wow. Well, I mean, I guess if there is any company that was positioned to do a collaborative, you know, uh, uh, pull together, let's get something done real fast. Uh, it's you guys, because uh, that's what you guys are all about. Um, that makes a lot of sense. But that's that's impressive um, to be able to pull all that together. Thank you. I think the team did just like a fantastic, phenomenal job. They say it right. Like, yeah, I would say I'm really, really lucky to have like a dream team. You know, I can't ask for much to have the opportunity to really market a, a, an unbelievable portfolio, which has played an important role, especially given this pandemic, and also have a team behind that who actually rolled out this particular campaign in such a short period of time while sheltering in place.
yeah, it's, and it's it's a testament that to to you know you're remaining authentic to who you are while you're also you know putting this messaging out in the market. Um, great. When you look forward to the next you know six to to twelve months, what do you see as far as your focuses um, from a from a marketing perspective? What are the things that you are working to capitalize on, or trends that you're working looking to capitalize on um, as we go into you know? continued COVID time for, you know, indefinite period of time? So as, uh, you know, we at Cisco are looking at the trends, which will probably play into the market. Nobody's got a crystal ball in terms of being able to figure out like when somebody's going to have a vaccine and how this, when this uh, sheltering uh, at home will probably end might never end. And so given the fact that the several different companies have also announced that, you know, they're going to give flexibility to their employees, regardless of the profession to permanently work from home, we believe that remote work is going to continue to be a trend. Uh, we are also seeing some companies in different geos are opening up their offices. And so we believe that while employers who have made the decision to open up their offices and bring the employees back into the office, they have to think about safety measures. And so the second trend is safe return back to the office. The first one is being able to continue to enable remote work. Uh, and so uh, what I see as a trend and from a Cisco perspective is how can we as a company continue to enable what I call the hybrid work, right? So if people want to continue to work from home, you know, they should be able to do that seamlessly so that you can make work happen anywhere, anytime. If people are opening up their offices and let's say we find a vaccine and everything comes back to normal, you still need to be able to help promote safe return back into the office, and which is why I call it hybrid work. And we at Cisco, uh, we have already had the underlying foundation both in our products as well as on the marketing side, as we think about these trends, which are basically going to continue on into the next year or 18 months or so. So let's take a couple of examples. One thing with respect to WebEx, if you want to continue to promote remote work, a big part of that for us is about making sure that the technology becomes invisible. And it's all about being able to promote a personalized and an inclusive first-class experience. Because if, if people uh, who are continuing to work from home, they need to feel that they are going through a first-class experience and they are a part of that particular conversation or that particular meeting which is happening at that particular time. And, and, and while you're working from home, previously, before COVID, if somebody used to work from home, that was really not a well-embraced concept. But now uh, we have uh, already gotten a lot of the feature functionality, which basically helps you embrace remote work, but we are going to continue on in that particular trajectory where technology becomes a huge enabler in terms of being able to create that first class inclusive as well as a personalized experience. And you'll see that in our products and you'll see that in our marketing so that people can continue to be productive regardless of where they are. The second part is our beautiful underlying WebEx room devices makes it much more easier for employers in order to enforce safety measures. So here are some of the use cases I can share with you. One is, um, if you want to go back into the office, we already have that, and I'm uh, I'm happy to send you a video, a short video which we just launched uh, recently uh, for those uh, uh, customers who are actually looking to bring their employees back into the office. If you come into your office and 
And let's say the building capacity can only hold about 50 plus people. Uh, you can automatically lock out your onboarding and it will give you a message saying that the building capacity is completely uh, full. And at this particular time, we cannot allow somebody to come into the office. If you go into a conference room and let's say the conference room has the ability using our devices to track the number of people in the conference room. And if it basically exceeds a certain amount of capacity, it will basically flash up a message on the screen saying that, you know, this conference room has actually exceeded the capacity. Um, and let's say somebody has used a conference room, uh, a room device on their desk or in the conference room. And it will give you now a message, which when another person comes into the conference room, it will give you a message saying that you need to clean the device. So we have institutionalized a lot of key things like that within our underlying technology so that we are going to make it much more easier for employers to basically bring their employees safely back into the office. And my role and my team's role on the marketing side is to basically activate and bring um, you know, uh, and let all of the uh, various different IT folks as well as the line of business folks who are looking for solutions in order to bring uh, people safely back into the office or, you know, help them continue to do remote work. Yeah, the, the room device compliance uh, piece of that is fascinating. I hadn't even really even begun to consider that. And the the hybrid work piece uh Hit on a lot of uh, you know, kind of personal uh, uh, anxiety or fears that I have because you know we're moving into more of that hybrid work role, um, and I was always a in the office every day uh, type of person. Enjoyed and kind of thrived off of that, and you know now I'm getting used to the remote work and eventually hybrid work where um, you know you want people to feel included because you know when you're working remotely and there are people in the office, it's it's easy to forget those people. Um, so I feel like between both of those trends, um, content will serve a, a huge role from just providing utility to people and giving them those tips and tools so that they feel comfortable in this this world, you know? And, and think of another, I'll give you another use case too. And we had, we had launched this last year, but we hadn't seen a huge uptake of this particular feature, which we call WebEx Assistant. We have AI in, uh, enabled in all of our devices and people were not actually using that. But given COVID, we have seen a huge surge in terms of how people are actually using WebEx Assistant. Me as an example, um, you know, I recently went into the office for a recording and um, when I went there, I did not want to touch any device. All I have to say is, hey, WebEx, join a meeting and boom, I'm in a meeting. So everything is going in the contactless way. And the technology now becomes a huge enabler for that. Who would have ever thought that, you know, uh, voice assistants are going to be so important? But I can promise you, even in uh, a technology like video conferencing, our WebEx assistant or our voice assistant is being leveraged quite a bit given the COVID era. When you think about uh the role of the cmo um you know now and moving forward um again i think you have such an interesting background because you have that engineering background you have that highly analytical side of things not saying that other cmos are not analytical but when you think about the future of the cmo role um and uh the longevity of cmos and their roles um and how they can really impact the businesses what are the skill sets that you think that you want to improve on personally? Like what are the things that you want to get better at? And then as a whole, as kind of a, a, a category, where do you feel like CMOs really need to improve to 
um, increase their uh, their visibility within the organizations, increase their role, um, and uh, the the budgets they're able to wield ultimately. Um, so let me answer the question on you know what are some of the skill sets I personally want to pick up, and then I'll talk about what I generally think about the evolving role of a CMO. So first is when I um, think about myself and my own career, I'm I all definitely believe that you know we all should be on a continuation journey of constant learning you know so the technology changes the tech stack changes the underlying business guidelines changes and multitude of factors and who would have ever thought something like covid would be there and we all had to adapt very very quickly right so just giving you an example on how i myself had to basically move away from out of home uh, media uh, um, uh, tactics into more of a uh, digital tactic across the board or you know broadcast tactics across the board you know it's it's a part of the self-learning capability and so i am always uh, curious in nature and i believe that it's okay to risk it's okay to try uh different things and you know if it doesn't work out you know move forward but if it works out you know find a way to basically rinse and repeat and scale it and you know put uh, data and analytics behind it and then track it and to see how can how you can further enable and grow that particular tactic or a program and so for me i'm always in that continuation of learning and uh, when i think about a, a a perfect cmo i personally believe that you need to have all three skills uh, skill sets i look at it as a three leg school uh, school stool first one uh, and this is in no particular order hmm. one of the skill sets which is very important is around being able to tell a story what i call the brand marketing the top of the funnel asset building the messaging you know that's a very important element how can you basically build a kick-ass story and how can you then activate it and get it uh, uh launched in the target market so the brand marketing is an important storytelling uh, skill set to have the second one is around digital the world has gone digital long back you know uh, physical events will be there it'll come back but i would say given covid uh, digital events and you know anything you can do on the digital side in terms of being able to um, move the pipeline is going to become very important and so having the digital skill set is a journey because the tech stack changes the marketing uh, tools changes um and how you activate them also changes. So I would say digital skill sets are an important element. And the third one is on the product side. And that's where I would say, for me, it's been easy because I yeah, I come from the product side and so I understand technology very well. But a perfect CMO should be, have a blend of all three, right? Like if you gravitate completely towards brand marketing, then you lose the essence of being able to bring your products within that uh, uh, within that brand story. And I see many, many, many examples of that. Um, and on the digital side, you really need to understand your end customer really well. And you need to really understand, constantly figure out new ways in order to bring uh, net new visitors into the top of the funnel, as well as figure out creative ways in order to enable the conversion. And so that's the constant learning effort, which I am on and will continue to always be. Uh, and the way I basically learn about that is by learning from my peers in the industry. There are some amazing CMOs across the board and everybody is on a journey in order to win in the market and everybody's focused especially on uh, MRR, ARRs or their revenue targets. And 
And if you are on this continuation of a journey in terms of constant learning, I think, you know, uh, that serves you really, really well. So that's me. And that is the recommendation I would have. But the, to answer the last part of the question, how do you, how do I think the CMO roles will change? I think, uh, you know, CMOs have never really owned a PNL, but given that more and more products are going the SaaS route, I actually own a PNL right now because mine is a, even though I sell to B2B, there is an e-commerce model available in the product where marketing is responsible for bringing in the pipe and marketing is responsible for closing the pipe. And so I have to really understand my target audience, especially when you think about, because there is a B2C selling motion over here. And so um, um, more and more CMOs will end up actually owning a PNL. It won't be just a GM who actually owns a PNL when you think about the marketing side, which means that you'll have to change your thinking and you have to constantly think about how can I basically, you know, beat uh, my uh, PNL uh, targets across the board. And so again, all of the those three elements play a very important role: brand marketing, demand generation, digital marketing, as well as the product element cannot be missed because messaging and positioning is going to become, will always be the bread and butter because it all starts with the product. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like that's going to even increase, you know, even on the uh, direct to consumer side of things, right? Um, where marketing is really the the driver of, of sales. So whether it's software, you're selling, you know, a, a product direct to consumer, that, that, Marketing owning the PL is a is a is a great way of thinking about it and that they are they are the owners of that business. Yep. You got it right. That's right. Fantastic. I just want to thank you first off for taking time um out of I'm sure a very busy day uh and a very uh busy time um for you guys. Um this has been a really interesting conversation. I think that a brand uh such as such as WebEx, what you have accomplished and uh and pushed through in the last few months is is pretty monumental. Um, and it sounds like, uh, you know, the work has just started, um, for you across the board, I guess, any parting thoughts on your side of, uh, of what you're most excited about, um, in, in, in the next 12 months, like what are the things that you just, you just get out of bed and you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to tackle this. What is most exciting for me and my team? I would say being able to compete and win this one because this is a real competitive market and the whole total addressable market for UCAS overall is probably has doubled uh, or even tripled given COVID. And so there is going to be a tremendous amount of opportunities out there. And we at Cisco have always been the leaders in the, in the video conferencing market, as well as in the unified communications market, and we'll continue to be do so. But it's also awesome to actually have a battleground in order to basically compete and win, and that makes it very exciting for me, at least, in order to be in this particular role. The second part, which is exciting is, you know, I've always managed global teams around the world, you know, throughout my entire career. But truly, this is the time where my team and I have actually come together in, in this particular way. And so I look forward to evolving this particular concept as, as a leader uh, in terms of how you can actually make your work much more fun. Uh, we have institutionalized, you know, trivia games as a part of uh, team building. 
so that way we constantly get together and we play those trivia games and uh, work with the team. Last night, our teams came together. So Jimmy came alive on ABC, uh, launched our um, uh, a, a contest, which we just rolled out uh, today into the market about being able to celebrate the uh, 100 million phone, which we have actually shipped. And so here we announced a contest uh, using uh, where Jimmy came alive and his team actually talked about how uh, you know people can part join this particular contest and they can compose their own hold music you know you i don't know whether you know that. the hold music is really phenomenal uh, which we have from cisco phones and again that beautiful clever idea was built by a couple of our team members but the part which I valued the most is the whole team came together with their families and we all watched Jimmy Kimmel Live together <laughs> using our technology. And we had like a fun party during that time. And uh, it was happy hour, it was late night in certain geographies. But again, how can you continue to lead the team and create a fun environment for your team as, you know, if this whole pattern of remote work continues to continue? And I, I think it definitely be there for a long period of time and it's about being able to you know work with your team members and make work uh, a very very fun place yeah and it certainly unleashed the creativity um it sounds like so so that's great well thank you so much um aruna uh, this has been a great conversation and just looking forward to all the the great work that you guys are going to continue putting out in the next couple of months thank you thanks for listening that was Aruna Ravichandran, the CMO of Cisco WebEx Collaboration. I was incredibly impressed to hear that upon lockdown, Aruna and her team completely pivoted their worldwide campaign, and in under four weeks delivered a completely new, emotionally resonant, and ultimately successful campaign around the new normal. And even as that new normal has changed over the past few months, Aruna continues to learn about her audience and provide value through content. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you have any suggestions or feedback, you can find me at ray at notch.com. Visit us at prosandcontent.co to find more amazing content about, well, content. And tune in next time. Thanks. Thanks.